I just, I have so much admiration for you for who you are and what you're doing because I feel like it's so, I totally do. I'm like such a fangirl, but I feel like it's so um, easy to deconstruct Christianity and to look at all of the horrible things that have been done. But to take the step to reconstruct it is really hard and really daunting. And I feel like you're doing that. And that's, I'm just so grateful for that. So thank you. Yeah, I guess I never looked at it that way. (laughs) Hey, Miriam here. So I sat down a few weeks ago with Crystal Cheatham, who is the founder and CEO of the Our Bible app, a progressive LGBTQ affirming hub for devotionals and podcasts and other good faith-related resources. Crystal and I are internet friends, so we've never met in real life, but we've bonded over the fact that we're both queer and Christian, and also over the fact that there just need to be more spaces online and on our phones and otherwise, where the progressive, inclusive Christian voice can take up more space and not be drowned out by voices that are full of hate and exclusion, of which there sadly are many. So definitely check out the Our Bible app and the Lord Have Mercy podcast, and I hope you enjoy this conversation with Crystal as much as I did. Why don't you, yeah, why don't you tell me a little bit, um, introduce yourself and talk about the Our Bible app that you've started. Yeah, so my name is Crystal Cheatham. Um, Some of my friends in Philly call me Des. Um, And I created our Bible app, I guess, as uh, a way to kind of um, bring together those progressive Christians who haven't quite been able to find a home, or if they have, they're, they're still kind of stifled by um, resources and content and media um, that doesn't align with their values. Um, and so I wanted to bring together all of those content creators into one place as a final media hub for those of us who are searching, who identify as spiritual but not religious, or those of us who are progressive, um, who are affirming of LGBT people, who believe that women should be in leadership, or we really care about uh, interfaith circles, um, those of us who often find ourselves on the fringes uh, were creating amazing content, but we didn't have a place to put it all at once, all in one spot. So that's where our Bible app came from. And right now, our primary resource, I think our deepest well, um, is our library of daily devotionals. And they're written by some of the most amazing, I think, thought leaders um, today, and many of the contributors are young. Um, but along with daily devotionals, we have podcasts um, like the Altar Guild, like uh, Cafeteria Christian, um, and we also have books. So recently, um, Barclay Press, Barclay Press um, partnered with us. They became a sponsor, and they we now have uh, six of their titles, and I think five more are coming this week. Um, and I think the last thing we really have to offer are our Bibles and our chat area. So it's a, yeah. it's a lot. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. I, I am, like I said, just so grateful for the resource. And I, I feel like it's, 
I've been describing it to people as kind of a hub because yeah. if you Google, <laughs> if you try to Google devotional for, you know, yeah. hard spiritual season or something, I, there is just no, nothing good that comes out of no. it, truly. It's terrible, except for now, hopefully. And um, what I'm realizing is the stuff that you're going to find is all fluff. It's like the same thing that we've been hearing since we were kids. Yes. It's like, love your neighbor. And I mean, everything is just deduced down to the most simplistic language. And it doesn't really inform you or help you like navigate the world that we live in today. It's just really out of touch is what I find. So that's why at I think best, cool. I think, I mean, yeah. at worst it's damaging, but at best it's out of touch. Yeah. I, it's yeah. Yeah. So the, to have like a trusted space to me, that's what our Bible app has been for me. It's like, I know I can go here and I know I can trust this. And that's so rare, I think in, in spiritual and religious, I mean, especially in religious, um, places. It's like, what kind of Christianity am I going to get? Is it going to be a fluffy Christianity? Is it going to, at best, is it going to be a hateful Christianity at worst? Or is it going to be something that's yeah. going to engage and you know, my actual, yeah. I have to say, I didn't, I didn't even, I didn't quite grasp uh, what I was taking on when I decided to create the app and ask people to contribute. And I can honestly say that since I've hired Teresa, my young editor, she is killing it with making sure that the things that get into the app are things that represent our private, our, um, our publishing policy. So they are things that you can actually trust. Um, and she, she, she created this purge list and she was like, these things should never actually make it into the app. So I'm glad that you see it as a trustworthy place um, and not one where you have to guard your heart before you open it. Yes, yes, exactly, exactly. And I do something, I'm super happy that Alter Guild and Art Bible App are, I don't know, I see us as like collaborative partners, but I'm, the reason I'm so happy about that is that I feel like that's what I want to cultivate in the world too. And mm -hmm. to be honest, Christianity has broken, I mean, you know, Christianity is made up of Christians, which means it's made up of humans. So understandably, it has messed up and it has broken a lot of people's trust and it's been responsible for a lot of terrible terrible things in the world and yeah. i i can't let go of the hope that it can also be responsible for a lot of the deepest most wonderful um healing things in the world and i i think rebuilding that trust is such an important part of that yeah agreed <laughs> your kind of story with uh, Christianity and your your spiritual journey, background, etc.? Um, I don't think it's any secret how truly gay I am. I am eh. the biggest gay, the biggest lesbian. Um, and I'm also, I also grew up a very fundamentalist Christian and um, the, the rule-keeping um, and the the dogma sharing and reading, all of that, I think, was like water and oil when it came to my sexuality and orientation. And um, leaving that fundamentalist space, I really had to 
you know, deconstruct my own personal faith and decide what it was that I could keep and what it was that needed to go. And um, I honestly think that I'm still working through that, you know, um, being raised a Seventh-day Adventist, I thought that one of the things that I had to leave behind in my journey to self was uh, this, a Sabbath. And I loved the Sabbath um, when I was old enough to appreciate it. And I'm realizing now in my adulthood that I can have a Sabbath. I can have a time where I kind of put my phone down or close my computer and turn the TV off and just um, meditate and do nothing. <laughs> um, yeah. But it hasn't, it hasn't been easy. And I think that I'm, I'm still growing and learning who I am as a Christian um, and who I am as Crystal Cheatham. Yeah. When did you leave that behind? Uh, I left the church, I think, in like 2009, 2010. Mm. Um, yeah. And I just, I feel like I had a really traumatic experience with a mentor who basically pulled me off of a stage and told me that I couldn't sing anymore, um, which was like my biggest ministry back then. And he crushed me, crushed my heart. He crushed my... Um, yeah, my, my, my communal heart, you know, that one that I wanted to share with everyone. Um, and I realized that that wasn't all I was, basically. But I think there's something that has changed, I think, even in the past, like, month in my life. And I think for a while... I spent a long time trying to understand um, secularism, trying to make peace with it, and not believe that those who don't who, those who don't believe in God are somehow um, somehow evil, somehow um, derelict of spirit, and all of the things that they tell you when you're a little fundamentalist Christian and um, Part of part of listening to that also meant that I stopped talking about myself. You know, I would walk into a circle and of uh, of queer people or people just hanging out, and you know, I wouldn't want to tell anybody what kind of a Christian that I was. Um, and over the years, it just kind of shut me up. <laughs> you know, I would find myself in friends in like deep friendship circles, not being able to tell people about what I was praying for or um, what was moving my spirit that week. And I've, I've recently awoken from that and come to the realization that it's, I'm not serving anybody by being quiet. I'm not serving anybody by not speaking my truth. Um, mm. And I have found a new strength, I guess, and am, am resigned to uh, telling people exactly who I am. And I guess that means for the most part that I'm okay with making people uncomfortable, you know, <laughs> and answering questions <laughs> and letting people uh, look at me sideways until they figure out who I really am. Um, mm. Yeah. Welcome to 2019. <laughs> yeah yes <laughs> yes i have so as a also a queer person and a christian i've said i'm not sure if it's harder to come out in christian circles 
as queer or in queer circles as Christian. Dude. <laughs> They're equally hard. There was a moment where I thought I was going to write a book, and that was, like, page one. <laughs> <laughs> You should still write that book. I would love to read that book. We'll see. Because <laughs> I have not figured it out. <laughs> I feel so much or hear so much of this reclaiming that you're doing in your life and in your work. Um, and I love what you said about your well, I mean, I am brokenhearted about what you said about the breaking and crushing of your communal heart um, with that story, but I'm curious, how do you feel like you've reclaimed your communal heart since then? Oh, I think there's like, there's, there was definitely a struggle, you know, for a while, my communal heart was just I mean, shattered and angry. So a lot of the work that I did was retaliating against those uh, systems that I found to be oppressive. So the fundamentalist church. And I did a lot of that work with Soul Force. At the time, I was angry, furious, um, reeling, you know. And um, I think my communal heart is very different now in that I find so much strength um, with the two people that I get to work with every day. So Ricky and Teresa, I mean, the activist work that they, that they do on their own um, and the way that they look at the Bible and the way that they look at um, social justice and how uh, their faith can inform culture. I mean, it's just, it's amazing. And so I feel like my communal heart probably shut down for a while and is starting that, that blossom and grow thing again. And it's all starting with those uh, small conversations that I'm having at the OBA office, you know, with, with those people who get it, who get it enough that they would uh, come and work with me um, on this app and um, call out uh, the... Uh, hearsayers or people who, who, I mean, they're, they're willing, they're willing to say what needs to be said to me, um, and to those we find on the, on the interwebs. And I'm just so amazed, um, by their power and their voice. Yeah. What do you see as a, as some of the ways that, um, I don't even know. I'm probably going to sound like an old person when I say this because, like, I don't really know what, what the kids say. <laughs> but, how, like, the, the relationship between the virtual world and, you know, IRL world, like, how, how do you see that? Um, what am I trying to say? Like, how do you see those two as a catalyst for each other in these, in these queer, progressive, Christian communities? How can they inform each other and how can they help each other? Hmm. I think the idea of, of church or community from or, or getting that kind of church or community from the screen of a phone is radical. But I think that we, uh, I'll say millennials with a broad stroke, um, we millennials have learned how to find community from the other side of a screen. 
And I say that because many of the interactions that we have every single day um, are not as personable, not in the flesh as they used to be to maybe our aunts and uncles, maybe our parents. Um, Mm -hmm. And because we don't have that, we crave it in a different way and we're able to be satisfied in a different way. And so I absolutely think that um, I find I find community by listening to podcasts, by listening to people talk about the things that are also on my heart, you know, because just the words alone absolutely reach so deeply, you know, and warm parts of me that I didn't even know were cold. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And so we we. We are building, we are building um, a network of community that's not just um, in our towns or as our neighbors, but people who are international and national. Um, it was through a podcast that I was able to come to know you. <laughs> you know, and it's like yeah. we haven't met in person, but I've had deeper conversations with you than I have had with um, some of some friends, some friends, and I want to say secular, but um, some of the friends that I was referring to, I've I've had deeper relationship, deeper conversations with you about who I am and what I want than I have with them, and so I, yeah. I absolutely think that what we're doing is is going to continue to do. It's going to continue to grow, um, and we're going to have a. a an international and and continuing to grow community um, kind of overtake us. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. I we had this um, guy come um, and visit our church, and he is a queer Christian like outdoors person, and he's taking this road trip and visiting every single national park um, yeah. in the United States, and he's. Anyway, so he, he tells his story um, of of growing up in Lincoln, Nebraska in the, you know, 90s and had never met a queer person. And Lincoln, Nebraska is not like a small town. I mean, it's a like, university town, but he had, it just wasn't on his radar. And that to me is such, so much the power of technology for people who are feeling, as you said earlier, on the fringes and on the margins of this um faith that they're not necessarily sure can include them or not and to have a message of no you're you're in yeah. <laughs> like you're in you're included you are part of this and you are an integral part of this and actually who you are exactly who you are the fullness of who you are is a, is super important to this faith and yeah. um to this community and they may not be getting that message wherever they are but they can get it virtually and that's huge huge I mean, yeah, we need people to be who they are and we need people to feel whole wherever they are. And I think it used to be for me that conversation extended as far as the queer community. But now I see in its fullness, you know, that it that there are so many of us who just who are sick and tired of um, conservative Christian rhetoric kind of bleeding into everything. And it, it destroys rooms. It destroys rooms. You can have a gathering of people who are all, um, their hearts are aglow. And then you've got that one person who, you know, just 
just says the wrong thing or reminds us that we are supposed to act a certain way or we're supposed to dress a certain way or we're supposed to have been married at a certain time. And it just colors everything, you know, it just makes it horrible. And I think that there are so many of us that are just frustrated with that kind of Christianity, that kind of Christianity that can just like dominate and tell everybody that they should, uh, they should repent that they're somehow not, good the way that they are um yeah i think that yeah Hmm. yeah yeah i mean it's so antithetical in my theological you know bias but it to me is just so antithetical to who jesus was like jesus took these rules and said rules are for people. He was so, so, so about the spirit of the law and not the letter of the law. And so the fact that Christianity has said, no, it's about the letter of the law and we're going to dictate what, what that letter means anyway is so, it, it breaks my heart and it makes me angry because I, I don't understand how you can read about Jesus and hear these stories of what he did and, and cannot see that people being the fullness of who they were is, I I don't understand how you can't see that as the center of his ministry, you know? Yeah. I just read a really cool thing about Zacchaeus and how he was just like this, this, you know, this little dude and got, and Jesus kind of called him into his fold and was like, I know that you're kind of an asshole (laughs) (laughs) and you felt spent a lot of your time being a little shit, but you know, I, I see a hope and a future for you too. And I'm like, that's the kind of Christianity that we're totally missing out on. That dude, Jesus, who did that was a badass. And, um, yes, he takes us when we're little shits too. I mean, you do not have to like not dance on the Sabbath for Jesus to love you. That's total bullshit. (laughs) Yeah. On the topic of sort of being our full selves and the fullness of who we are, and that's a lot of what we've been talking about this season for Alter Guild, what what are some things that you would say about who you are at your core and the fullness of who you are? I think I think especially right now, I feel that my spirit is shifting. Um, and in a good way. The I feel like I am coming back to my roots, myself, my center, um, and relearning what it means to be both crystal and Christian. And it's a very comfortable space. Um, I think for a long time, you know, since that traumatic thing that happened, everything just felt so blown apart. And there were pieces of me here and there. And then there were ideologies that I was trying to understand and systems I was trying to avoid. And I think now I'm finally at this place where that distant memory of, of self is, is starting to um, reappear. And I think I've said it a couple ways so far, like blossom and grow and whatever, but um I, I've always been an artist, you know, I've always been either 
um, a musician or a performer or um, some kind of writer, um, very charismatic in, in social spaces, um, a, a host, a homemaker. And I think that for maybe the first time, I'm really comfortable being all of those things in my, as my adult self. Um, yeah. But also, yeah, I'm learning, learning more and more about my faith and I guess how to be myself, how to be all of those things and a Christian and queer in public spaces. And I think that when, when you're straight, you kind of don't have to do all of that, that work. Um, but you know, this is my Jesus year. I turned, I'm 33. So (laughs) mine too. (laughs) Hopefully it turns out better for us than for Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, it kind of turned out pretty great for Jesus. Um, it's, you know, actually I had, I have thought that like died for three days. Yes. He came back. (laughs) Right, right. And maybe this Bigger is a resurrection. Exactly. That's how exactly how I see it. Um, I feel I feel a resurrection. I feel parts of me have died. Things that I needed to prove have fallen away. And maybe it's the burning of the chaff, as, as, as you say. Um, but I feel brand new. I feel... Actually, I walked into the office um, yesterday after the new year, and uh, Ricky asked me, um, how I felt in this new year. And I was like, dude, I feel like a curse has been lifted off of me. Like, I feel like I am going through some kind of resurrection. Um, yeah, this past year has seen the end to some of the most, uh, some of the, the longest friendships I've had as an adult. Um, it has, I have said goodbye to some of the habits that I used to ha- have and, you know, some of the thought patterns that I used to cling to. Um, I have actively laid them down or worked to uh, dispel them. And I don't, and now that the new year has turned similar to a page. I just feel so fresh. I just feel so alive. I feel like nothing can touch me. Yeah. <laughs> and and it is a direct result to my to my faith and my relationship with God. I know it is. So I feel I feel a very evangelical right now. <laughs> you know, like those are the words that I want to use, but like like all of those evangelical words like yeah, but uh they're still so um, harmful. So I'll... Yeah, but you're reclaiming them. I I love that you used the burning of the chaff because people have used that so hatefully to say these are the good people, they're the wheat, and these are the bad people, they're the chaff, and you just used it to say, no, these are the harmful and death, death-giving things that have been the chaff that I need to let yeah. go of, and these are the life-giving things that I need to to nurture that's yeah sometimes you just have to let it burn away um you know burn away the dead flesh so that the the living flesh can can heal and grow you know um let go of those things that aren't serving you that aren't allowing you to succeed or be the person that you know you're supposed to be let it go let it go
thank you. Thank you so much for talking with me and thank you again so much for what you are creating. I am personally so grateful for it and I think that the work and the app and what it is doing is just going to reverberate and reverberate and like we've been saying create more healing in the world i'm so so thanks for, for saying that, that. So that's you. such a good um blessing to hear Alter Guild is hosted by Meta Herrick Carlson, Matthew Ian Fleming, Miriam Samuelson Roberts, and Derek Tronsgaard, with edits by Matt and Derek. You can visit our website at alterguild.org, that's A L T E R, and find us on Facebook and on Instagram. We're kind of slacking on our Twitter presence, so sorry about that. If you enjoy these conversations, leave us a review on iTunes and or just tell someone you know about this podcast if you think they want to hear some of these conversations. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for a new episode. And in the meantime, go in peace, listen, love, serve, and alter. Mm -hmm.